0: This is Christ, Culture, and Coffee, an apologetics podcast to help equip Christians to engage the culture through biblical, critical thinking. Your hosts for this podcast are Robbie Lashua and Tyler Hurley. Robbie is pastor of apologetics at Desert Springs Community Church, as well as professor of apologetics, worldview, and ethics at Mission Bible Institute. He is a graduate of Phoenix Seminary, as well as a graduate of the Master's in Christian Apologetics program at Biola University. Tyler is currently earning his undergraduate degree in theology at Grand Canyon University and currently serves as an apologetics intern at Desert Springs Community Church. Hi, welcome to Christ, Culture, and Coffee. I'm your host for today's podcast, Robbie Lashua. Thanks for being with us. We really appreciate that you take the time to listen to our podcast. Uh, Tyler is not with me today, but he will be back in the near future. Um, And I wanted to, before we start on the the informative side of the podcast, I wanted just to make you aware of a few things that are coming up. Uh, One of them that is vitally important is the Deep Faith Apologetics Conference that we are having in Scottsdale. Arizona on October 20th. So it's coming up soon. We would love to see you come to that conference. It is going to be um, about cults. We're going to be talking about Mormonism and Jehovah's Witnesses and paganism, uh, copycat religions, Buddhism, uh, Islam, on and on and on. So many different topics that will help equip you to know what other religions believe, but also be able to um, know why they're false and, and help people to see the lies that are within these false religions. So I know it'd be a great time Uh, Of learning, and so if you could come out to that, we would really appreciate it. Uh, Tickets are twenty dollars. You can find more information and you can buy tickets at deepfaithapologetics.com. I'll put that link also in the show notes for you. But we would love to have you come out. Actually, uh, Christ Culture and Coffee, we're going to have our own booth out there. Uh, We'll probably be recording some some stuff from uh, from the conference. So we'd love to have you come uh, by, say hello. Uh, We might even be handing out a couple of free coffee. So just a little teaser uh, if you come out to the conference. Would love to see you there on October 20th. Also, if you would go on iTunes and you would rate us and write a review for us, that just helps us out so much. We really appreciate when you do that, um, but I'm asking more and more people, uh, if you enjoy our podcast and and the Lord's teaching you a lot of things through it, please go on there and give us a review and rate us uh, because it helps us to have more notoriety and to reach and, and impact more people with truth. Also... If you have a coffee tip and you would like to win one of our free Christ Culture and coffee mugs, email me at Robbie at DSCChurch.com and uh, give us your coffee tip. And if we use it on the air, we will uh, send you a free coffee mug. I feel like the last few weeks I've been mailing out coffee mugs all over the place. Uh, So if you would like to get your hands on one, there's a special edition, there's not a ton of them, um, email us a coffee tip and if we use it, we'll send one of those out to you. So speaking of coffee tips, uh, let's move into the coffee tip for today. Uh, The winner of this week's coffee mug is Dan. Dan, you have won a coffee mug from Christ Culture and Coffee because of this tip. So here's Dan's tip. He says that he goes camping a lot and when he goes camping it's his job uh, to wake up early, to not make a lot of noise in the tent, to unzip it really carefully and to get outside and make a fire in order to make the morning coffee. He even told me uh, in the tip that it's, it's his favorite time of the day because it's quiet, he can get away, he can uh, spend some time with the Lord and just enjoy uh, that serene scenery uh, out in, in the wilderness. So the way he makes coffee and the tip he has for you if you're camping is to take with you a percolator. Um, Now some of you may know what that is and some of you may not, but it's a pretty cool way to make coffee. You don't have to take a lot of equipment with you. It's just kind of a one canister deal. You can buy them at Walmart, you can buy them at Cabela's, all over the place. But you want to get an enamel percolator. And how it works is you fill up the, the percolator with water and then there is a metal tube that's attached to a basket on the top. In the basket, you put a coffee filter, and then you put in your coffee, and then you put the tube and the basket back inside the percolator, and then you fill, then you uh, put it on the fire and heat it up. And as the water heats and boils, um, it gets pushed up through that steel straw, that steel tube in the middle, and then it gets dumped on top of the basket, and gravity takes over and pulls it down, and it and it drips through the coffee. The beauty of this is that it only takes about 5 to 10 minutes to brew a whole big percolator full of coffee. Um, But you can keep it going. You can keep it boiling so that it, it goes through the coffee once and then the coffee gets sucked back up as it boils and it goes through the coffee again and over and over and over. And you can make it as strong as you want it as it keeps recirculating through the coffee grounds. So it's a pretty ingenious little uh, tool for for camping. Um, and these enamel ones that they make are really durable. You can bang them up. Um, they work really well. So that is the tip from Dan is get a percolator. You, you don't have to go camping to use one. I mean, you can use one in your house. But uh, I was even looking at some reviews of some of these percolators and people were saying that they make better coffee than the Keurigs make, actually. So give it a try uh, and email us and tell us what you think about your percolator. So Dan, again, thank you so much for that coffee tip. Uh, always neat to hear about different methods of brewing, um, obviously, our favorite beverage in the whole wide world, coffee. So thanks, Dan. All right, today's topic is going to be based on the existence of God. One of the things that Christians often um, are are accused of is, is belief in a God, right? We obviously believe that there's a personal, omniscient, omnipotent God who is out there, who's the creator of all matter, of all time, of all space, on and on and on. And a lot of people in our society uh, don't believe in a God. They're atheists. And so, how can we be ready to make a defense for our belief in a God? Uh, such as the God who's described in the Bible. So today, that's what um, the topic is, and we're gonna we're gonna hone in on one specific argument for God's existence that's called the cosmological argument. The cosmological argument. So this argument uh, comes from the word uh, cosmos, uh, which is the Greek word for creation or universe. So therefore, it's the argument uh, from creation, right? Paul actually tells us we can make an argument from creation in Romans one 18 through 18-20. So let me go ahead and read that. It says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness, because that which is known about God is evident within them. For God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world His invisible attributes, his eternal power, and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. When Paul uses this this argument where he says, for since the creation of the world, the word for world there is cosmos. Uh, So he's saying that God's invisible attributes can be known, we can understand who he is, through what we observe in creation, through what we see around us, and so today we want to we want to talk about this cosmological argument, an argument for God's existence based on creation, and specifically uh, the universe beginning. Alright? So this this specific cosmological argument is called the Kalam cosmological argument, and uh, the most recent um, developer, proponent of this argument is Dr. William Lane Craig. Uh, if you haven't... Um, made yourself familiar with Dr. William Lane Craig, you need to. He is a brilliant Christian philosopher. He has done extensive work in many different aspects of philosophy uh, that help us with Christian apologetics. Um, just a very God-fearing man, very brilliant man. Um, you should watch. go on YouTube and just type in William Lane Craig and watch him debate anybody. He's a masterful debater. Um, you'll really enjoy uh, hearing from him and learning from him in the future. So so I can't recommend that highly enough. Uh, His ministry is called Reasonable Faith, and so if you just Google search that, you'll be able to find all of the things that he's doing and all of the articles. You can even write him questions. Um, But I would would highly recommend you make yourself aware of that resource and start digging in to the wisdom uh, of William Lane Craig. But the Kalam Cosmological Argument, uh, it basically goes like this. There are three premises to it, okay? The first is... That all things that begin to exist have a cause. The second is that the universe began to exist. And then the third is, therefore, the universe has a cause. So let me repeat that again. All things that begin to exist have a cause. The universe began to exist. Therefore, the universe has a cause. And we would say that that cause is God, the God of, of the Bible. So when you get into this argument, it's, it's really a rock-solid argument. It's simple to remember, um, but I want to break down a little bit where, where people will argue with it somewhat. Um, the first premise, that all things that begin to exist have a cause, nobody really argues with that. It's it's scientific fact, right? It's scientific law. We know that's the case. Uh, this microphone I'm speaking into has a cause, right? Because it began to exist. Um, I began to exist at a certain point in the past. Um, and I have a cause, right? My, my parents are, are the cause. Uh, everything I'm looking at in the room I'm in, the walls, the tables, the chairs, the lighting, all of it began to exist, and since it began to exist, uh, it has a cause. So that argument, nobody really um, disputes. The second premise, that the universe began to exist, is really where the argument uh, lies in in this debate. So did the universe begin to exist? Yes, yes. It did, and we can know this in a number of ways. We can know it uh, through science, and we can also know it through philosophy. Uh, so I, I want to start with philosophy. And um, this is going to cause you to have to think a little bit, okay? So get ready. I'm warning you right now. There's a little bit of heavy lifting here mentally that you're going to have to do. So in a way we can know that the universe began to exist is because an actual infinite cannot exist. I'm going to say that again. An actual infinite cannot exist. So if the universe didn't begin to exist, but let's say it's eternal, like some atheists have argued that the universe is eternal, um, we would never be able to get to the point that we are at right now we would never be able to arrive at this moment in time. Uh, Let me explain that to you. Imagine that uh, you're sitting down in a row of chairs, and to your right is an infinity, right? An infinite number of chairs, meaning they're endless. They go on forever to your right. Now, if I said you can stand up once the person sitting in the chair to your right stands up, But they can only stand up once the person in the chair to their right stands up and on and on and on to infinity because there's an infinite number of chairs to your right. The question is, when will you stand up? Would you ever be able to stand up? The answer to that is no. Because there's an infinite number of people sitting in chairs to your right. And if it's infinite, it means it goes on forever and ever and ever into infinity. And so you would never be able to stand up. Now, if there were 17 billion people to your right, eventually you'd get to stand up because there is a finite number of people to your right. Now, I, I know that sounds confusing, but let's think about that in, in regards to moments in time and in the universe, if, if there was an infinity in the past, if there was eternity in the past for the universe, then we'd never arrive at today. Today in, in you know, October of 2018, we wouldn't ever get here because there's an infinity in the past. So we we wouldn't be able to say, yeah, we're here um, today. An actual infinite cannot exist, which implies that the universe had to have a beginning point because we are here today in October of 2018. We actually exist here in this moment in time. So philosophically, we can prove the universe had a beginning because an actual infinite cannot exist. Another way that we know the universe had a beginning is because of Einstein's theory of relativity, right? The idea that there was a big bang, the singularity. Uh, Scientists teach that at a certain point in time in the past, there was nothing. And then boom, bang, everything came into existence, right? Uh, Time, space, and matter came into existence. And they describe it as coming into existence from Nothing from nothing. So if the universe began to exist, it must have a cause because everything that begins to exist has a cause. You see how that works? It it, it makes sense. So science through uh, Einstein's theory of relativity and the Big Bang cosmology actually proves what Christianity has been teaching all along in Genesis 1-1, right? In the beginning – God created the heavens and the earth. That was the start of the cosmos. That was the start of the universe. That was the start of creation. And it began to exist and it had a cause. And that cause was God. That cause was God. Another way we can know through science that the universe had a beginning is based on the expansion of the universe. Uh, right now we know that the universe is continuing to expand. It's continuing uh, to grow. It's like a balloon continuing to to get blown up. It's expanding in all directions, which implies if you if you run the tape backwards that you can you can see in the past there was a point where all things started to expand, right? All things began to expand. If we rewind the universe, it would contract down to a single point, and that's what is referred to as, as the Big Bang, right, or in the beginning when God created everything. So the expansion of the universe implies that there was a beginning to the universe. Also, uh, scientifically, the evidence from the second law of thermodynamics implies that given enough time— the universe and all its processes will run down and reach heat death, right? Um, the, the second law of thermodynamics is, is about the energy in the universe. And, it, and we know that uh, there's a certain amount of energy in the universe, but it's running out. Um, imagine a, a cup of coffee, right? If you heat up a cup of coffee in the microwave and you set it on a table, if you come back in an hour or two, the coffee is going to have reached equilibrium. It's going to have reached room temperature right? Which means that uh, it's not hot anymore. When, When we look at the energy in the universe, basically what we're seeing is that the universe is still hot. There's still energy, which means the universe was heated up not too long ago. But if there's an infinity in the past, We would already be at the point of heat death. We would already be at the point of the coffee cup being cooled down. And yet we're not. We still see energy in many different aspects in the universe, which implies that there was a beginning where everything got started and heated up at a certain point, not in the infinite past because if it wasn't in the infinite past, we would have already experienced heat death, and we haven't yet. So there was a beginning So, that's again another aspect of knowing that the universe began to exist since we still observe energy in the universe. So, the Kalam cosmological argument again is number one, all things that begin to exist have a cause. Number two, the universe began to exist. And then what follows is therefore the universe has a cause. You have to have a cause for things that begin to exist. Now arguments, popular arguments against this from the atheists would be that the universe is eternal. The universe is eternal. In Carl Sagan's book, um, cosmos, The Cosmos, and also in his uh, TV show, um, he, would, he would start out every show by saying, uh, The cosmos is all that is or ever was or ever will be implying that the universe is eternal. Well, that's just not true philosophically or scientifically. It's just not true. So scientists have, in their attempt to, to keep God out of the picture, they, they know what it implies, that the universe began to exist. They know that it implies there's a cause. But instead, they've come up with these other theories, such as the steady state theory, which claims that the universe is constantly producing hydrogen atoms from nothing think about that. The universe, which is an impersonal thing, is creating hydrogen atoms from nothing. That sounds like magic. (laughs) That sounds like a miracle, right? Uh, There's no science to to back this up, but they're claiming that. But have you ever observed something just popping into existence from nothing? I mean, if if a police officer pulled you over, and said, "Hey, you ran through that stop sign. What what was the deal? Did you not see it?" And you claimed, "No, officer, there wasn't a stop sign there actually after I passed through that intersection, it popped into existence from nothing." Therefore, you can't give me a ticket because I'm not guilty of breaking any law. The The stop sign appeared out of nothing. He's not going to take that seriously because we know those types of things don't occur, right? We know those types of things don't happen. But that's what the scientists, the atheists have, have uh, claimed in regards to the universe, that it, hydrogen atoms just keep being produced from nothing. Uh, to me, it seems easier— To believe in a personal being that created the universe from nothing. Uh, Because you're starting with something, with something powerful, with something intelligent, with something immaterial. The the God of the Bible uh, is, I think, a necessary being. He's necessary to explain everything we see around us. And that's what Paul was saying in Romans 1, that it's evident. The invisible attributes of God are evident by the physical universe that he has created. And when we begin to investigate it and we be begin to, to, to look around at it, including ourselves as created things, um, that it's evident within us, yet we suppress the truth, Right. That's what he says mankind does. We suppress the truth about God, and instead of worshiping him, we worship created things like ourselves, like other people, like animals, like the universe, on and on and on. So scientists try to come up with arguments against the Kalam cosmological argument, um, but but they really can't. Um, they, they don't answer the problem of the second law of thermodynamics other than making up stories that, well, maybe the universe magically reheats things and then everything dissipates into nothing and then gets recreated into something. Uh, but there's no evidence for that scientifically. So when when scientists come up with these these arguments, really what they are, they're myths. They're, they're, they're um, punting to stories instead of scientific discovery, which I think is interesting that they begin to make up mythology in order to support their scientific naturalism, uh, their atheism. So I believe that it's easier to believe in a personal God. It's, it's more logical. It's more reasonable to believe that a personal God created the universe from nothing, because everything that begins to exist has a cause. We know scientifically and philosophically that the universe began to exist, therefore, the universe must have a cause. Now, another thing that I think is, is interesting for us to talk about in this regard is that we need an argument for the continuing existence of the universe. An argument for the continuing existence of the universe. And, and here's what I mean by it. The, the universe, creation, um, is dependent. Every part of creation is dependent on something. And if every part of the universe is dependent on something, then the whole universe must also be dependent. So if that's the case, the whole universe is dependent right now on some independent being for its present existence. Uh, think about this. Doctors and, and people who study medicine, they can explain to us what is going on with our body but they can't explain the how it's going on. For, for instance, your, your heart is beating right now, right? And we know that as we run an exercise or, or we're out of shape or whatever, our heart can beat faster, our blood pressure can go up, on and on and on. These things occur. But the, the question of how is my heart beating, why, why is it beating? Not just the how, but the why. Why is it doing that? Nobody can explain it. We just take it for granted that, well, that's what hearts do. Yeah, that's what they do for a certain amount of time, but then they just stop. Why do they just, uh, at certain points, stop, right? So why my heart's beating is a completely different question than how my heart's beating. Don't explain to me what it's doing. Explain to me why it's doing it. Um, it, If you think about it, you're existing now on a big ball that's floating on nothing in space, right, right? You're existing on a big ball, a big globe that's floating on nothing. And we explain, well, there's forces, the sun, there's this gravitational pull. Yeah, but what's the sun floating on? Nothing. And we're used to, we're used to this idea. It's normal to us because it's, it's how things are. But really when you begin to think about it, what's holding all that together? What What's making the atoms in my body continue What with the protons and neutrons traveling so fast around each other? What, what's causing them not to collide and crash or to dissipate? Where does all this stuff come from? What right now is holding it together? What is continuing the existence of the universe? And I think you have to posit that there is an immaterial, powerful, timeless, spaceless, all-knowing, personal type of God, that's what you'd have to have, that's holding all of this stuff together. And in fact, we find this answer in the Bible. Let me read to you Colossians 1, 16 through 17. It says, for by him, it's talking about Jesus, for by him, all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and listen to this part, and in him all things hold together. All things hold together. This is fascinating. It's saying that Jesus created everything, and then it specifies he created the visible things as well as the invisible, the material world as well as the metaphysical world, and both of those things he holds together. Christians have an argument for the continuing existence of the universe, Whereas the atheist has to say, well, this is just what nature does. This is just how it is. Um, Which we would agree, yeah, that is how it is. But what's the explanation for the why behind the how or the what? And Christians have an argument for that, for the continuing existence of the universe. I think this is amazing. Amazing. Amazing that Jesus is holding all things together. He began the universe. He started it all. We know that it came into existence through science and through philosophy. And he's also the thing, the the person, who's holding all of it together for its continuing existence. Um, Christianity is superior to other worldviews, to answering the big questions of life, such as where did all this stuff come from? (laughs) Where did the universe begin? Now, I have heard an argument against the Christian view, and this has stumped some people, and it, and it goes like this. Um, once you make the Kalam cosmological argument and you say all things that begin to exist have a cause, the universe began to exist, therefore the universe has a cause, some may say, well, if we take your argument seriously, then you have to posit um, the cause of God. Where did God come from? Who created God? Who who made him? Because if all things that exist have a cause, God exists, and he must have a cause. But you see what they do with that argument? Is we're not saying all things that exist have a cause. We're saying all things that begin to exist have a cause. There's a difference. God never began to exist. He is eternal. He's the eternal one. Now, When the atheist says, that's just too hard to believe in an eternal God, you can say back, well, but you have to believe in an eternal universe. You have to believe that matter is eternal or that natural selection is eternal (laughs) or that the hydrogen bombs from nothing are eternal. Both of us believe something's eternal because you have to. You have to get back to something that began it all. But which is more plausible? an impersonal cold universe that can produce tremendous design and an amazing amazing things or a personal god who's powerful who has intention who is orderly who's creative making everything that we observe and it seems logical to me that that it it's it's easier to believe in a god who exists than an impersonal universe um creating things unintentionally. Uh, so I think that that as Christians, we stand on pretty firm ground with this argument that that the God didn't begin to exist, but he created everything else that did. There's only one thing that's eternal, and that's the God of the Bible, the God, the triune God who exists in three persons father son and holy spirit he's eternal he was before all things and everything that was created everything visible and invisible that came into existence was created by him and through him and for him as scripture says so i hope that this has been helpful to you i hope that as you go about and somebody says it's just ridiculous idea to believe in god you can say well hold on um this this idea, this notion of a God existing, it has to be. And a personal God's existence, according to the Kalam cosmological argument and according to the argument from the continuing existence of the universe, um, makes more sense than an impersonal, natural, uh, eternal matter type thing <laughs> existing. So I hope that this has helped prepare you to talk with people who, who don't believe in God and, and who think it's a foolish idea uh, to believe in him. We're called to always be prepared to give a defense to anyone who asks us for the hope that we have in us. And God's existence is a big deal to people. And so I want you to be able to go out, to talk with them, to share with them these truths, obviously to do it with gentleness and respect like First Peter 3.15 tells us to do. Well, thank you for being with me today. Um, uh, Tyler will be back next week as we'll dive into some more uh, topics. If you do have any coffee tips for us, please send those in. Again, rate us on iTunes, and we'd love to see you at the Deep Faith Apologetics Conference on October 20th. We hope you can make it out to that. The goal of this podcast is that we want to equip Christians to be able to defend their faith— and to be confident in their faith. I hope that that the, the, the discussion we had today, the talk about the cosmological argument, has helped deepen your faith, that, that you've trusted in God and that you know he's real, but after listening to the arguments we have for him, you, you know it more. You've grown in your trust. You've grown in your faith and in your confidence that he's real, and that through that growth, you'll be pushed to go out and to defend your faith well and to tell others about this God that created them, that loves them, that thinks they're special, that, that sent his son to die in their place so that they could be reconciled and back in a relationship with the only eternal thing in the universe. Again, thanks for listening to Christ, Culture, and Coffee today, and we will see you next week. You have been listening to Christ, Culture, and Coffee a podcast ministry of Desert Springs Community Church in Goodyear, Arizona. For more information, visit our website at dscchurch.com.